0: The Yearbook Sportscast. You are good. You are very good. It's for nurses and flight attendants and you. Happy holidays from all of us here at the podcast. I'm your host, Doug. If you're trying to picture something holiday-y, Hanukkah scene or something uh, Christmassy, we do have a coffee table here at the podcast. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, yeah, you can get this, uh, you can get this wherever you find your podcast, and you can contact us if we didn't already say that. It says in the yearbook at Hotmail.com. Uh, the Penguins in the NHL had a goalie controversy in the preseason, as, where, as in where is everybody going? Which ones are they going to keep with the big club? Would it be the office guy? That's uh, Casey DeSmith, the goalie who's a huge fan of the office, the show. Now, coincidentally, the Penguins minor league team is in Scranton, Pennsylvania, hometown of the characters from The Office, and coincidentally, Casey DeSmith played and still plays in Scranton for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, as they're called. So, DeSmith figured he couldn't play. When he first played in Scranton a couple of years ago, when he first got there, he figured, I cannot play in Scranton and not have a The Office-themed mask, and so he did. He also, when he first played there, he wore jersey number one. Um... That's a good point. He may still wear jersey number one. He may still very well have the same uh, numbered jersey in Wilkes-Barre Scranton for the 2019-20 Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. All right, well, we got somebody on that. We'll find out uh, and get back to you uh, before this is over. Um, So Casey DeSmith was wearing number one, and he remembered an episode from The Office when one character gave another character an authentic Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins jersey, and it was the number one. And later, he would grow up and be signed by the Penguins and wear number one. So it wasn't lost on him. He actually said that in the episode, they are giving away or they are buying and selling my jersey. Anyway, Casey DeSmith did not get kept uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins Big Club. As we mentioned, he's uh, back in the minors. And that's because, wow, did Pittsburgh know what they had in goalie Tristan Jerry pronunciation? Did anyone else know what the Penguins had in goalie Tristan Jerry? Was he supposed to be this good? He's got a 1.86 goals against average, which is the, if you don't follow hockey, that's the average number of goals you give up in every game. So when he plays a game, he gives up far less than two goals. That is stellar. Okay, anything under three is good. 1.86 is stellar. And Jerry's also got three shutouts. There's a a show slash podcast we really like called Marketplace. On public radio, it's a show. Off Public Radio, it's a podcast. And unlike any other show, for some reason, these guys always seem to answer the questions that we're asking. Why do people in certain parts of the country add an S to the end of a name of a business that doesn't have one? So, for example, it wouldn't work with McDonald's. There's already an S on the end of that. But the store, uh, Walmart, for example, you say, I'm going to Walmart. You add an S. Why do people do that? They explored that on Marketplace. Uh, Also, do that many people really give cars as Christmas presents, just like in all of those commercials? Marketplace explored that. The answer is they do. According to Marketplace, the cars as Christmas presents commercials, they actually worked. Uh, They began, according to uh, Marketplace's reporting, they began with Lexus 20 years ago. So in 1998. December was the third slowest month of the year for Lexus. But by the year 2000, two years later, it was Lexus's best month for car sales. And those numbers are still happening to this day Uh, in the last six years. Luxury vehicle purchases have uh, noticeably shot up at the end of the year. According to the officials that Marketplace spoke with, December makes people feel uh, holly and jolly. December makes people feel like indulging themselves and others. And in a lot of places, indulge means buying cars. Now, I'm not sure if it's just Lexus or if it's all of them. But, well, here's two things that that really hit us uh, from that report. First off, again, not sure if it's just Lexus or if it's all of them, but the bows uh, in the TV commercials, you see uh, somebody gets surprised by a car in the driveway on Christmas morning, and there's a big red bow on the car or cars. Those bows – are actually available, provided while supplies last. Those bows, apparently, you can actually get for the cars. And here's the second thing that hit us from that report, besides the fact that so many people buy cars for Christmas. They asked people about, their. uh, they asked researchers, researchers asked about people's best Christmas presents and worst Christmas presents. And in a lot of cases, their best Christmas present ever was a car in the driveway for Christmas morning. But in a lot of cases, people's worst Christmas present ever was a car on Christmas morning. Mark Stevens, you ever heard of this guy? If you said the Golden State Warriors part owner who shoved a Raptors player during last year's NBA finals, great memory. There's nothing new with Mark Stevens that we know of. He's currently serving out his band from any NBA arena. He has to stay out of the Warriors' house, their arena, and every other NBA arena until next season. Why do we bring this up, though? While well, he's not making news and serving out his sentences, Mark Stevens' sentence is still too short. Now. We are not big on the whole thing, and it's gotten worse in the Internet era, that you make one mistake and you're a cast-off for life. You can never do anything again. You make one mistake and you have to sit home. We're not big on that whole thing. But in this case, Stevens should have gotten more than a year away from the NBA, even with the $500,000 fine that went with it. Unlike other sports, the NBA has no even decorative – Barrier. There's like no bunting even between the courtside seats and the players. So there's an uneasy alliance. And the NBA has to protect the workforce. The Utah Jazz banned two fans for life for a courtside confrontation with an Oklahoma City player. Coincidentally, this is not why we bring this up. This is a complete coincidence. It's not ironic. Irony is not a coincidence. It's a coincidence we bring this up uh, that uh, those two fans, I believe, are now suing. Uh, the Jazz, I believe so, and uh, the Sixers, the 76ers, just uh, banned I think a couple of fans for the rest of the year. So the league can certainly come down harder on Stevens. Now it's going to say it's going to sound like rather I'm saying punish the rich guy, but that is not what this is about. Just uh, you know, kick the rich guy. No, fans uh, and Stevens crossed a line. That cannot be crossed. The players, the NBA players, are exposed to danger if chaos suddenly breaks out. Again, there's no barrier. Fans can't storm the field. All you got to do is get up out of your seat and walk, and you're on the court. So if chaos breaks out, the players are in danger, and Stevens crossed that invisible line. At the exact same time, he crossed another line that cannot be crossed. Um, like a teacher or a boss, as an owner, he has to behave better. There's got to be a higher standard. Now, obviously, people are competitive. Uh, uh, two, two rival local high schools around here, they're a five-minute drive apart from each other, and they are still competitive long after graduation at the annual charity alumni games. So no matter who they are, people including us, take losses hard. But Stevens' behavior is especially nasty because he falls in the category of a bad winner. Okay, he's only been in the Pro Sports Owners Club since 2013. And at the time of the aforementioned incident in the NBA Finals, in his six years of ownership, he'd already won three NBA championships. If anyone... Should have been able to at least pretend that they're a good sport. It should have been any Warriors fan, including Stevens. Stevens waited patiently for a whole six years and he won three titles and he still couldn't control himself. Now, since Stevens still stands to make a mint off the team he embarrassed, the team whose player he angrily shoved, and the game he interrupted, and he's a terrible winner, a two years or more ban or two years in some kind of probation. Like making Steven sit when he comes back. All right, courtside seats are gone. Make him sit in the next to last row, which is the punishment we want to see. All right, one of those other punishments, that seems a lot more like it. Hey, LSU football. How dominant is LSU? But that is not the story. All right, the story is Kent State football made a bowl game. There's been a lot of talk this season in college football about Kansas or Rutgers or formerly Kansas State being the world's worst football program. But Kent State has all of the moribund history that the others do without the big conference or good attendance or constant TV appearances. Now this, I promise you, this is based on no evidence whatsoever. We have never heard rumors, haven't even heard a whisper, but we live in fear that Kent State, who we sympathize with, and they don't want our sympathy. Yes, they're Division One. We live in fear that Kent State will someday drop football. It's very expensive. Well, Kent State and their string of future NFL players, including Julian Edelman, ever heard of him? are in a bowl game. They started the season being beheaded by Auburn, Arizona State, and Wisconsin, and then the Flashes, that's their name, improbably rallied and finished 6-6, which is all you need to get to a bowl game, is what we would say if we were talking about Kansas or Rutgers or formerly Kansas State. But bowls, the bowl games themselves, are not big on smaller teams with even smaller fan bases, so Kent State had to sweat out If they'd even get an invitation, they qualify for a bowl, but then they lived in fear temporarily for if they were even going to get invited to a bowl. It's not automatic uh, that they uh, get in. So they had to sweat it out, and they do get into a bowl, a bowl invitation. Now, in 2012, seven years ago, the Flashes wound up ranked and rolled into a bowl game, but this season more resembles 2001 that's where Kent State turned it around late, and their league, the MAC, was much better that year than it is now. So what they did that year is they rallied and finished, Kent State did, with a winning 6-5 and five record, and that was their first winning season at that time since 1987. But though they were even more eligible then than they are now, the Flashes were not invited to a bowl. So at that time, 1972 remained the one and only bowl season in school history. Until 2012. Now, arguable whether the 2012 Kent State season was, was more of a shocker than the 2019 Kent State season. Kent State, as we said, rolled in 2012, and they were actually ranked. But I think 2009 is overall more impressive. This year, second-year coach, second-year coach Sean Lewis had to get the flashes off the mat after those early beheadings, and DMAT they did. Now, after 2001, we mentioned that 2001 good season. After 2001, Kent State's coach departed. He's now the Tennessee Titans defensive coordinator. And after 2012, Kent State's coach departed. And in both cases, the flashes went right back to being pretty bad. At this point, Sean Lewis... Should, because it's late in the coach hiring process. Sean Lewis should be sticking around in 2020, so we'll see if he can keep it up. And, yes, Kent State won the damn game. Their 2019 season began with one of their players on the Steve Harvey show, for a good reason, and ended with an upset of highly regarded Utah State. Man, times have changed. Kent State's first-ever bowl win, their first victory that they just got. They've only been to three in a decades-long history, and now they've won a bowl. No one paid attention, no one wanted to pay attention, but the Golden Flashes are very improbably winners. Unfortunately, what's a story isn't dictated by what's a story. It's dictated by how many people care about it, so Kent State's been largely ignored in favor of the looming college football playoff, but now you know, and maybe you uh, already knew. IndyCar. We, uh, yeah. Well, is he working on this podcast? His secret when he should be churching. The guy in our church has a Disney podcast. We actually should listen to it and see what it's like. But it's very popular in the church, which means in our own building we're only second most popular, and that status is slipping rapidly. We have to find a way to get ahead of uh, get ahead of that podcast, that uh, Disney podcast. And this uh, episode certainly is not going to do that. IndyCar driver Scott Dixon. We have news. He still secretly works for Target. More than three years—I apologize for that because obviously that's that's not news. But uh, more than three years uh, after Target got out of IndyCar, a display with Scott Dixon's Target car—if you haven't heard our previous podcast about this—it's still selling Pringles at one of the Target stores around here. So his the display remains up uh, three years later. Ah, let's yeah, let's throw this in. Uh, we finally saw the Scott Dixon documentary, Born Racer. But we haven't yet seen the new Star Wars movie, so okay. Born Racer, Born Racer was decent, but it was also unfortunately what we were afraid of. There are some really interesting moments, but either there wasn't enough money, or the filmmakers just didn't know how to do it. Uh, but the movie didn't go nearly deep enough about what it really takes to survive in Indy cars.